Hey there, listener. Fancy seeing you here. Look, sometimes due to the things we discuss on the pod, it might contain potentially triggering content. But the good news is you can always review the episode description for a full list of the warnings applicable to this episode. Oh, and just so you know, this episode is rated R for really filthy. It includes adult themes and explicit content. So if you're an adult, buckle up, gird your loins, and prepare to flood the basement because we are going down with these ships. Um, so Bess, any last minute questions or things before we get rolling? I'm given to understand that it's just chaos, so I'm ready to embrace it. Perfect. Nice. <laughs> that is literally- cool. You have understood the memo. I am already, <laughs> like, I'm just so glad you're here. Be prepared <laughs> to enjoy yourself. That is my only instruction. Um, yes. And I am, I'm very psyched for this. This is going to yeah. be good. Okay. I gotta say, I'm oh. nervous. Jeff is a lot to live up to. Jeff is intense. <laughs> They're wonderful. I just like Jeff is just so much fun. And they came on a second time. So we just had them last weekend, right? Yes. The, yeah, they came on last weekend because they did, we did a surprise like Percival. And they wrote a really great story. <laughs> they did. It yeah. was, it was, I'm very proud of them just because. Yeah. The, the envelope was pushed and I feel like we did mm-hmm. that. That was the thing that we did. And I, I mean, <laughs> obviously J- Jeff wrote the story and they are incredibly talented mm-hmm. and that is obvious, but I, I'm just very, very proud. And I'm <laughs> proud that our podcast could have done something so wonderful. <laughs> and, yeah. and just, yeah, if you haven't already, go listen to that episode because it'll be out by the time you hear this one, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so ready? I'll get the yeah. intro going. Yeah, officially. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is the longest like preamble yeah. we've oh, done in a while. Is. Right. <laughs> oh, I was going to ask. So, how is it that you say your is it, do you duh, whatever WRZD like how do you say your podcast WZRD radio? Do, that's what I thought. Like I was mm-hmm. like cuz I of course I read it and I automatically do wizard radio, but right because in but in the states you have your radio stations will have these like weird initials letters. in front of them. So that mm-hmm. makes sense. It does. We don't, it does. Cuz we don't do that here, but but yeah, because like in The Simpsons, they parody it with KBBL, which is the only reason I know that this mm. even happens. <laughs> yep, we have four letter letters for. Are the call signs not a thing in like Europe? Mm, well, I don't know about Europe, but in the UK, we don't have that. That It's very much like ours all have individual names, but they don't have initials in front of them. So there's things like Classic FM, Heart Radio, BBC One, Two, Three, whatever. Um, there's there's a whole bunch of different ones, but they're just, they, I don't know, they just That's have what like they are. Ordinary, ordinary names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not here to plug individual radio stations. I'm sure though <laughs> you, can, you can go and look up a, a list of them but it's but it's just yeah they just I've never really really thought about how they're named they all have names like I know um this is, <laughs> this is what it's like with Nathan what am I what what am I doing now what's the I'm just like we've we've totally gravitated away from the podcast to well about how radio stations work in the UK is this not interesting isn't this why you're here it is no 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 it's funny i just i just it just makes me laugh i just love it it's so funny (laughs) 
I'm just the, the human personification of chaos. For <laughs> yeah, as you can well, see, obviously, we haven't even started the podcast and it's been seven minutes. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's. I was worried about coming on. I'm a very like short talker and I was like, but their, their episodes are like an hour and a half, almost two hours, and it's going to be like 10 minutes and done with me. But I'm feeling, I'm feeling more comfortable now. Good, 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 good. And that's why it's, yeah, it works for us. We've tried structured and structured just kind of like I don't know. It's like then I'm then I'm constantly worried about following the structure because that's also yeah. a part of me. So when I'm like, okay, just go in and have fun. That's pretty much all we do is we just go in and have fun. So all right. So now I'm gonna start things. Ready? <laughs> yes. <laughs> all right. You're on the cannon ground. I'm up in crack ship space. Let's start a shipping war. Don't care if I get hate. Don't like my bearings. Well, Welcome back to Care of Magical Shippers. It's a Harry Potter ship culture podcast. I'm Megs. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I am Nathan. <laughs> Welcome back. And we are so excited because we are just we are just rolling on this summer guest train because obviously I continue to lie to everyone that I am not going to be on the podcast <laughs> and I've continued to be on the podcast. So, but I don't think you're complaining. But so this week we actually have Bess from WZRD Radio with us to talk about one of her favorite ships. So if you want to tell us about your podcast and what you do and before we get started. Sure thing. Hello, magical friends. I am Host Witch Bess of WZRD Radio. It is, I like to say, a podcast with radio station ambitions. Mm. Ooh. Because I always wished that there was a Wizard Rock radio show, you know? Of course. Mm -hmm. Who did? I don't know how to build a radio station, but I <laughs> could learn how to podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So now twice a month you get half an hour of music, plus interviews, upcoming Harry Potter events, Wandascopes, the most accurate fortune told based on your wand's makeup oh that's wow mm -hmm. nice well cool that's yeah that's super neat <laughs> so this week as far as the ship that we're doing we had actually dove into them in a poly situation a little bit earlier on but best came to us being like you know what i love that you talked about them as three but how about these two on their own because it's different <laughs> so we got to do this again which is totally great <laughs> i wrote an deeply offended email i was like how could you possibly just leap right over this ship to to go on to something even more complex. They're right here. They're simple. They're beautiful. <laughs> and you skipped it. <laughs> so it's like, so let's come back. Yes. Yeah, so this, so we're actually going to be going back to and sticking with for this episode. In theory. In, in theory. theory. We'll Remember I'm on the episode, okay? <laughs> you say sticking with. We're going to be ended up talking about <sighs> Snape. We're going to talk about Peter Pettigrew. <laughs> he always comes into it somehow. I don't know. <laughs> but, yeah. But anyway. So yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Go Stay ahead. Us. No. <laughs> so we're going to be doing Hermione Granger and Victor Crumb. Sorry, Ron. We'll see you later. <laughs> we are here today to talk about the good ship SS Victory. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so this will be so much fun. So how long have you been shipping them? About 
possibly over half my life now, basically since the fourth book came out. Oh, wow. wow. That's a long time to be invested. I imagine that your relationship with them as a ship has sort of grown as you've grown as well. I don't know. What it, like, have your thoughts about them changed from what they were whenever you first started shipping them? Or I think so. Um, I was trying to remember how I imprinted on it as a youth, 14, 15 years old when the books came out, because I grew up with Harry Potter. So the last book came out when I graduated high school. The last movie yeah. came out when I graduated college. Mm -hmm. So I was like 14, 15 when Goblet of Fire came out. Mm -hmm. I was the bookish girl. I was you know, best with the books. That was my entire personality. I was starting to get interested in activism, organizing Day of Silence at my high school, and... Hermione being the girl yes. was very easy to identify with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then there came the story where the epitome of the successful, cool guy fell for the nerdy, mm -hmm. nascent activist, bookish girl. And you see how this began. Yeah, that's super I cute. I think, yeah, I think I can understand how that sort of synergizes. And I'm, I'm here for that. That's quite, that has quite cute origins. I imagine that that then, I mean, I don't want to speak for you, but I can imagine <laughs> that blossoming into something as you've, because you said you've stuck with these characters now for over half your life. So I can imagine that that must have, that must have developed a little bit since then. Yeah. I mean, as all things do in your life, it evolves. Yeah. At the beginning, it was just, you know, a, a teenage romance. Yep. And I'm honestly surprised that more of us, you know, nerdy girls that were in love with Harry Potter weren't into this ship because that is such a classic yeah. like YA fantasy of the cool guy and the nerdy girl. But then as an adult, it's a lot more, they're both extremely talented, capable, competent people mm -hmm. who can lift each other up and give each other breaks, who are, who are very equal partners. Mm -hmm. I'm actually in a Discord exclusively devoted to uh, Hermione Victor. Nice. Nice. So I asked them, you know, what do you want me to tell them when I come on this show? And they're yeah. all very excited, by the way. Nice. Can't wait. <laughs> and the very first note that I got was the jock nerd trope is, quote, hot AF. <laughs> and we just did this with Percival. So we yes, 100%. We, we yes. are 100% behind this. <laughs> I was going to say it. I'm so glad you did. Yes. I was just like, yeah, we know uh, how this works. Like, oh, we are so in good. tune with it. We we vibe with this big time. I, mm -hmm. I have talked about how that vibes with me as well, or how I get some sort of degree of Meg's favorite word is coming up catharsis from it. <laughs> um, I, <laughs> I really, I, I get it. But also, I. I'm interested in what you think specifically about why particularly Victor with Hermione, because we've established through several of our um, episodes that Hermione could have her pick of whoever she likes. She, mm -hmm. she's, she's got broad appeal. Let's just leave it at that. Yes. She has broad, broad appeal. So why do you think that she should end up with why is why is Victor king in this situation? I think it is kind of the um just the competence porn mm -hmm. and being seen when you felt invisible. You know, yeah. it's a combination mm -hmm. of those two. Oh. Yeah, I definitely agree that like if he had been uh, continued to be somewhat a part of the series versus just a plot device. Obviously he was a plot device in the fourth book and it just happened to be 
you know, like, oh, hey, we're going to have this guy that actually impacts all, like most of the characters. Like he has a strong presence in that book. And then all of a mm-hmm. sudden he's gone, um, which, you know, which is crazy until we come to Fleur's wedding and, you know, shows up and he's yeah. just. But what I love about Victor's character and how he was developed is even though he is famous, he doesn't act that way. He doesn't see himself that way. And he went for someone who was like who wasn't following her around, who was quiet, like someone that he obviously saw as a person over someone who was just like in his face, like wanting to get his attention and whatever, because mm-hmm. obviously he doesn't want that. That's not the life that he really signed up for. It's like, it's not his, you know, like even with Harry, it's not my fault that my parents died and I was famous because of it. Like same with Victor, like it's not my fault that I happen to be this like young, reckless, amazing seeker, but I'm also really awkward and smart. And like, like if you thought, if you think about taking him his like quidditchness away from him it's kind of like what you said as far as the like the shared brilliance thing like he's just a really smart competent person that just happens to also be good at sports <laughs> so and they're both also very like isolated because of their yes. competence mm-hmm. he's yeah. ultimately just a high schooler but he's also a world famous top of his profession mm. quidditch yeah. player but mm-hmm. he's still in high school so he can't socialize be part of the community as fully as the adult you know right Quidditch players but because he has that experience he's not just a high schooler so he's very alone and Hermione high schooler also hyper intelligence mocked by her peers doesn't quite fit in so I think they share that as well mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but also th- there's that thing built into Crumb's character of um when you're a celebrity you can't really, you you sort of touched on it, you can't really socialise in the same way. There's that element of suspiciousness that creeps into everything because it's like you're not sure of anybody's motivation. You know, what's their angle on this? What do they want from me? How are they going to capitalise on my celebrity? Add to that the fact that there's a serious language barrier there that we get yeah. in the funny, you know, uh, Hermione jokes and things like that. You know, there's there's... There's more than one obstacle to him excelling in that environment. But I think one of the things that continues to, I suppose, endear him to the audience is that he isn't really bothered by that. He just tries his best. Mm -hmm. And I think we admire anybody that is that dedicated despite the obstacles. Uh, You know, we admire it in Hermione definitely time and time again. But then because she's in all the books we sort of, well, not necessarily diminish her struggles, but we're, we're more used to her as a character. So mm-hmm. we're more, we're, we're along uh, with her for more of the ride. Whereas with Victor, like you say, he just comes into the fourth book, he has this massive influence on the narrative and everything, and then poof, he's gone, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for, for that reason, he stands out almost more because you don't expect to ha- to have these almost secondary characters be developed to that level of mm-hmm. of depth, but um, I think it says something that we we still continue to come back to him and have sympathy for him despite him being set up as this plot device, you know. Mm-hmm. Because when I think about Victor's character, like up until this point, we're introduced to him at the World Cup. He's already famous, all these things. I kind of see him as a character that potentially 
had a normal life, like had his normal life, his normal friends at Durmstrang and and all of that. And then all of a sudden, his talent was seen. Things started to veer in a different direction. At some point, he became very important to Karkaroff. Like he was the star pupil. He was, you know, famous and was literally piggybacking on that fame. I can see that being having created some of that isolation. The fact that it's like he used to probably have been surrounded by a bunch of friends and then was separated Mm. from because all of a sudden he was special and like, you know, unique and was then ostracized from everything. And that has to be really, you know, really hard for anyone, like when especially like young, famous people that all of a sudden the line is drawn for you that you're other. Like, it's like, no, I'm the same person I was before. It's like, ah, but you're not. Like, it's not your fault, but it's literally what you're exposed to and how things are. Like, I just can't imagine what his day-to-day must be like. I'm trying to imagine how he and Hermione, like, managed to, like, find time together. You know what I mean? Like, how Mm -hmm. he, you know, like, with the amount that he was at the library I'd have to think on the ship they have stuff, you know, like they probably have their own library and things like that. Like for him to be like, oh, I have to go to the Hogwarts library, obviously, for reasons and whatnot. (laughs) And so and part of it's like, oh, yeah, he went because of Hermione. Like, well, you could see it like, yeah, there were there were texts and things uh, that were there that they either didn't have that he knew that he could utilize and learn from and happened to notice her while she was while he was there, which is, you know, great, too. So I just I feel like they they met because of shared interest, if that makes sense. Like they happened to both be there and he saw her versus like, oh, I saw this girl wherever and then went to the library because I know that's where she went to. Like, I definitely think that it was there was this quiet girl in the corner that he was like, why aren't you up in my face right now? (laughs) And then that's what kind of, you know, made her scream louder, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, um, I, I can't see any obstacle to the fact that there is some sort of translation spell. So no matter what language Mm -hmm. a book is written in, you could just like point your wand at it and translate it into your desired language. Because I was thinking about this and I thought, you know, most of the books in the Durmstrang ship will probably be written in different languages, considering that the Durmstrang school is based somewhere off either in Russia or somewhere really cold and north. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we don't know. Um, But it's... It's cold and it's potentially Eastern European, something something like that. Um, I want there to be a reason, and I was trying to think about it while you were talking, for Hermione to end up in the Durmstrang Library. I ah. think that w- would be incredible. She like she's like, oh, I have this opportunity for for like new secrets, slightly dark, slightly dangerous knowledge, you know? And and I could see her wanting to sleuth that out and scope it out. So I love that story. Okay, okay, okay. So that's their first date, but Hermione doesn't know it. (laughs) Yes! Like, he's like, oh, like, we have more books on the ship if you want to come see them. Oh my gosh, books? Like, yes, that sounds amazing. (laughs) Let's go do that. And it's like, you know, it could be like that Belle and the Beast moment of walking into a new library with all these things. And Victor's like, you know, obviously it's like, oh, I want to show her these things that I know that she loves so that she can love me. And the whole time she's still like, books! (laughs) I do think you could basically map Hermione Victor onto Beauty and the Beast as you said that. Oh, for sure. 
He's mm-hmm. grumpy. He's irascible. He's unapproachable. Yes. Her first thought was, he looks really grumpy. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then they bond over a love of books, and she discovers the heart of gold, and then they kiss, and he turns into a prince or something. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know who Mrs. Potts is in this story, but, you know, I'm sure you could work it out. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, that would that's perfect. <laughs> Back below deck with you, mop. <laughs> <laughs> You know, instead of instead of like back off into the cupboard with you, Chip. Oh, just like, back below decks with you, Mop. Oh no! <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. Now, I mean, now of course I see it because, like, you think of what they were, what they had them wear to the Yule Ball. Like, it feels that feels very royal, you know, in comparison yeah. to the like, you know, tuxedo style dress robes of, you know, that oh my everyone goodness, else. You're right. You're exactly yeah. right. This is just a ripoff of Beauty and the Beast. It How is. do we make Disney references in every single podcast episode? We do. <laughs> every, I swear we don't go into them trying I, to be Disney. We, we, don't. we don't. But then it just fits so perfectly. Disney does all the romance tropes and we're talking about romance. Don't let them lie to you, listeners. Before I hit play, they were like, we got to get Disney into this. However yeah. you can squeeze it in. This is the plan. <laughs> oh, yeah. And even just, yeah, that's just so... Oh, that's just so. I just love that. I want to read that now. There, there has to be. Some, I mean, at least there has to be something Hermione Bellness, just because of like you know, just like Emma Watson and the Bell correlation. Anyway, like people already were like, yeah, we're gonna put Hermione into a Disney movie. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, yeah. I love that a lot. I would want it to happen without the scary element of the Stockholm Syndrome, though, mm-hmm. because Beauty and the Beast has heavy, you know, I'm imprisoning you in this castle and now forcing right. you to be in love with me vibes. Right. And I would like to think that Victor isn't that Machiavellian mm-hmm. in his ambitions. I think Karkaroff Not- definitely is. <laughs> to bring in my half a psychology master's into this, but that's not how Stockholm Syndrome works. Oh, Oh, I'm about to be schooled. Tell, <laughs> tell us more. Stockholm Syndrome is is confusing the, the smallest kindness for affection. So like, you know, being fed regularly and okay. coming to sympathize with your captor. Whereas Beating the Beast is very much more, uh, I mean, still unhealthy. I'm not going to pretend that imprisoning someone is yeah. an acceptable way to begin a relationship. But they come to appreciate each other in the middle. Uh, mm, yes, but there is an element of, in order for that to happen and for them to find that middle ground, it doesn't emerge organically out of, okay, I'm appreciating you in a whole new light just because. It's literally that forced proximity thing of, I can't go anywhere else. And there is only my captor here and his weird um, <laughs> animal animal compatriot friends that are all inanimate objects. Like, I... <laughs> get served a five course banquet by a bloody French candlestick. <laughs> you know? By that logic, school creates Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, you're 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 not wrong. That's just how relationships happen. It it takes what, like, what was it, ten thousand hours to create a friendship just by proximity? You make friends as an adult by seeing the same people constantly, consistently. Mm-hmm. You're just mm-hmm. saying the same thing. Wow, we really have gotten off course here. <laughs> That's I- what happened. 
Anyway, but but yes, no, but I do love that story for them being like the classic of, you know, Beauty and the Beast. He's he's seen as not conventionally like handsome. Like he's literally his draw is the fact that he is famous. So I I can see how that would be something that like someone needs to get to know him before like making assumptions of like, oh, because he's famous or, oh, he's not necessarily super attractive in comparison to in the movie. Obviously, they're like, we're going to find some beefcake and and give him no lines whatsoever and just have him be there. So what are your thoughts with that as far as like movie versus books? Like, I feel like that comes up a lot when you talk about the the Harry Potter movies, how they cast beautiful people in uh, right. roles that are not supposed to be conventionally attractive, like Hermione with the big teeth and the big hair and Victor Crumb with his his slouch and his stoop and his broken nose mm-hmm. and persistently mm-hmm. sullen expression. Uh, that was another point that someone in the Discord made was that they, uh, they fell in love with the ship because they saw the movie and thought they were hot. So it does help. Yeah, yeah. I think we talked about that a little bit with the the trio one too. It's like we sometimes did. it's like, oh, like obviously Ron and Hermione both think he's hot. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think um oh what was the was that wait, was that you? I'm trying I wish I would have listened to our the episode before we started with this. Someone said like because your own the interest in the character came from seeing the movie. Someone said that. I can't remember. I don't think it was me because I said I'd had the opposite experience where oh, I yes. saw the movie and I didn't think he was attractive in the movie oh, at all. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But but He's, but then we Googled recent photos of the actor, and then I was like, he grew into his looks. Like, like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know what I was put off by. Maybe it was the buzz cut, or you know, but it's just something about it made him look not like I pictured him in the books. Well, it just for me, it just was the fact that he dripped confidence that didn't exist in the books. You know, like even the, when we first see him, he's like obviously like riling everyone up and getting With everyone hyped yeah and he's just like yeah it's crumb woo and like he i just can't see the book character doing that at all like if anything he's like i'm gonna pretend that 30 billion people aren't here right now like just... i appreciate his shyness in the books where he's yes. like i'm here because i love quidditch yeah this makes me very uncomfortable yes. i'm just i'm focused yes exactly so i think there's there's a certain amount of parallel there between Quidditch star and pop star. That thing of like, when you're on stage, you can be very exuberant and confident and over the top. But then once you're, you come away from that and the performance mode switches off, you can be a lot more sort of insular and calm and introspective. I, I, got that from his book character a lot more mm-hmm. yeah he, he's confident in his competency mm-hmm. not necessarily yeah. in his personal skills mm-hmm. exactly which is another reason why it's so much fun as a pairing i'm curious what y'all would imagine for their first meeting well i can't get the like the the ship library out of my head right but of course, that's like acting on having seen, you know, the person and whatnot. And see, I I feel like I feel like Hermione having like hat with like we see her moment like when we're they're at the um at the Quidditch World Cup, they see the flags and like you said, like she's like, wow, he looks like 
really grumpy, like not pleasant. And and when he comes and everyone's all like, she's obviously very kind of turned off by it. So it's, I feel like he, her initial reaction to him, like she even tells Harry and Ron, like it's so annoying him being at the library. I can't get anything done because there's all these silly girls there. So her, like it's, it's, the moment when it can actually shift with her being able to see like, oh, wait, you like actually have true intent and find me interesting for real, not just, yeah. you know, because I feel like she's a very stubborn individual. So it would take I think it would take a little bit to get her out of once she when she makes an opinion, she's very like stubborn in that opinion to be like, oh, which is like, you know, like everyone has their flaws. And that's one of her flaws is like when she obviously feels something strongly it's very hard for her to be convinced otherwise and so how would victor change that for her would be really interesting like what what would he have to do or say especially with said language barrier or anything like that like him being able to talk to her we see how Mm -hmm. kind of awkward it is like even yeah. at the dinner when they're sitting with Harry and them and and whatnot, it's like, man, something, unless literally it just was like a moment of like in a movie where it's just like the lights, you know, go all and and the, the wind comes and Hermione's hair's blowing and it's just that <laughs> moment to lock eyes. And I just, I don't know, it could be as dramatic as that, but I, I think it'd be interesting to see how Hermione would change change that mindset, like to get out of her head of, she can, for being someone very bookish, she can often judge someone based on the cover until she really, you know, takes the time to see things. I otherwise. see what you did there. Yeah, <laughs> I tried not to. Like I was really trying to, but it <laughs> you had to. <laughs> oh, so yeah. So I don't know how that moment would be, but I just, I just would be interested to see how people would write that first meeting. You know what I mean? Maybe. Hermione makes the first move mm-hmm. like maybe they see each other in a library whether that's the Durmstrang one or the Hogwarts one and she just decides that there's got to be a moment where she puts the books down she's like as much as I love my books as much as they are my you know that I vibe with them and them they're what I am here for I'm also you know, I can I can put my energy somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And she's seeing Victor as though for the first time. And that moment to me is really powerful because there's a um especially in the early books, we get this this sense from Hermione that she's really driven from or driven by academics and you know, book smarts and that this idea that she sets herself apart by excelling. And I think it's, you know, initially because she's muggle-born, it's almost like she has a point to prove. Like, not only is she, you know, coming into this other world, but she wa- and she doesn't just want to be okay. She doesn't just want to coast. She wants to do the best she can. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's how she excels. And so in this moment where she's seeing Victor, it's almost like we're seeing her priorities shift a little. And she decides then to put her energies into this other way of appreciating herself and this this other mode of be of excellence you know mm-hmm. i can see that happening for her what what are what are our thoughts with this i also picture like either victor has the book she wants 
you know, like he's sitting there and has <laughs> yeah. like has the book and like maybe he's had it for a while, like keeps coming back to the library with that book and like opening it and maybe even not even reading it and just driving her insane. Like she just finally is like, that would drive me up the wall. Forget it. Like slams the bar book on the table and walks over and then was like, are you done? Like, please, are you done? I really need this book. And then that even could have been the moment that Victor finally like notices her because she's someone who's literally like obviously frustrated with him and has like you know a, a completely different reaction to him as a person and then just probably her sass or some like spark that she has and then he finally gives it to her and she just like storms away and then all of a sudden he's just like wow like <laughs> who was that you know it's because that happens too like you could not notice someone or you knew they existed like you're aware of that person and then all of a sudden like something said or something's done or you experience a thing and then all of a sudden you're like I see them and like I see them more than I ju than mm -hmm. just seeing them before so I just I just love Hermione being annoyed with people so I just think that would be really fun of her just being like I'm so done with you just holding on to a book when I'm actually here to use the library the way it's supposed to be used, not to meet up <laughs> with girls and all this stuff. And even though probably Crumb is like, seriously, I'm trying to do this too. But he stays because of, you know, because I can see where Hermione's coming from. It's like, okay, get the books you need and leave. Find somewhere not here that's not bothering everyone else. But in the end, he's there for you, girl. He's sticking around because he wants to keep seeing you. So it's <laughs> I love that. I hope someone writes it. I hope you write it. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I just add it to the add it to the list of all the things. It's just never ending. Okay, so <sighs> so you do wizard rock. In your mm. opinion, what kind of wizard rock would be their first would be like their meet cute song? Oh my gosh. So one of the great tragedies of Wizard Rock is there's not any Hermione Victor music. You know, you get a lot I, of... I'm feeling something in the air. Like, maybe oh, one of the listeners Jeff. is going to be like... <laughs> <laughs> well, they know. They yeah. know. In, in the Wizard Rock, I'm like, people are like, oh, what should I write music about? And I'm like, victory? Victory? Like, okay, Bess. Yeah. Maybe like, next time. <laughs> everyone, okay. It's like, you're, you're literally Hermione in that moment of like, okay, literally anyone, anyone else except for Bess. We know what you want, Bess. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> oh. it, it's just Snape in that moment of no one. Mm -hmm. How disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> and Bess is there like, but victory! <laughs> <laughs> I work on the um, Pedia Comp Club, which is where yeah. we put out four albums in the year. And we always have to come up with the themes for the album. And every time I'm like, maybe victory? Mm -hmm. And it's just crickets. Oh, like, no one can write oh. an entire album about that. And I'm like, but maybe. Yeah, but it's, yeah. I mean, hey, people write just, there's like on less, like on less foundation, people are able to, oh, that's but a bummer. people, but some people, I guess, are big Romione stammers. And I understand why, because it's canon. But I also think, and this is just a, a reflection of my personal opinion, again, mm -hmm. not trying to be dogmatic about this, but my opinion is that generally canon ships are boring because they're explored in canon already. And fan fiction gives us an opportunity to look at different kinds of ships. So I'm all about victory because mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's 
why wouldn't you want to ship them together? As I've said, like you could ship Hermione with a lot of people. I actually think you could ship Crumb with a lot of people, but like them being together somehow works because it's like, I don't want to get cheesy about it, but it, it's like love that transcends barriers. Love that, mm-hmm. that um, you know, it's that sort of love across the barricades thing. And I want to believe that, you know, mm-hmm. when when Emma Watson as Hermione is giving that speech about, you know, international magical cooperation. Cooperation, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just, I'm, I'm with her in that moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like that it's, easy because like ron hermione is a very ya ship it's very volatile full of like big emotions mm-hmm. and lots yep. of explosions but then hermione and, and victor it's just easy there no one's feeling inferior mm-hmm. to anyone else no there are you know those big emotional understandings they're just like you're brilliant i'm brilliant i support you you support me that's mm-hmm. why you get a lot of fixes where they're older mm-hmm. you know as adults they've come together and hermione's a you know, mm. brilliant charms, experimental scientist, and Ooh. Victor is works for the International Task Force. Not that I'm quoting a fic one of my friends wrote or anything. <laughs> <laughs> which which its name it. is by whoever. Do it. Plug plug that fic here. <laughs> the observer effect, y'all. It's amazing. There's physics of magic. Ooh, Ooh. I can't do that. <laughs> Go people that can do that. <laughs> It, I, I don't know how they did it. It's brilliant. Um, but like Hermione's a brilliant, you know, mm-hmm. charms, like creator and, and professor. And Victor's like, I'm having this problem. And she's like, all right, we're going to break this down to molecules. And I'm going to teach you the theory of magic. Oh, my. Wow. Oh, that's wow. Insane. That is, the, that's a take that I have never. It's also a thriller. So that's just like one small scene. It's a whole thriller. Victor is chasing like international terrorists. It's it's so wow funny. i we, i need to do we need to do an episode about this like, i, I <laughs> we'll definitely have to read it after read this. this we'll definitely yeah read it. it's one hundred fifty thousand words you could pull an entire episode out of it wow wow that's oh wow See, i love i love especially for rare pairs when there's like especially like that fic that it's like everything else is like a one shot you know like most of the time with rare pairs it's either just porn or it's just a fluffy little random something and then someone's like you know what this this is my ship and i'm going to give them the epic they deserve and they do it is just amazing like that's awesome and then you get sad because you're like and that's the only one that exists (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not to say that that's the case in this but that's often the case with rare pairs like you're just you're like this was amazing i need more of this but there isn't and so i guess i have to make it and i don't know when that's gonna happen <laughs> well that's so awesome i mean that i know that i personally am very as far as having a main character like as a main character i find hermione personally intimidating because of that brilliance you know like sometimes you feel like um I'm like, am I, I mean, I guess I get the same way with Snape too. Like, I feel like they're both very like smart characters. It's like, how do I, how do I make it sound like I'm smart being, making them smart? I don't know. But yeah, just because for my Wait, wait okay. Let's, let's examine that thought for a minute. Like, how do I make it sound like I'm smart? As though you're not incredibly intelligent. Just, like, okay. have you, have you so- read half of what you've written? <laughs> 
It's just a personal, like, you know, like, struggle thing. Not that I don't end up in the end succeeding. Like, it's just, it's hard. Like, it can be hard to do. So it's, like, still an intimidating thing to do. But it's just, I, it amazes me when someone can take, like, especially, like, Hermione and have that be the character that they get to know and understand and write all the time because of all, you know, like, because I can sit and, like, kind of talk and obviously, like, analyze her as a character, but as far as, like, committing to, okay, I'm going to write her or write from her point of view. Like, I can write people interacting with Hermione easy, how she responds to people and stuff like that. But as far as, like, getting in her head, I feel like I'm the meme with, like, all the physics stuff. Like, I'm just like, what is all going- <laughs> Like, there just has to be so much going on in there that I'm unprepared for. But, of course, it comes down to actually doing it. Like, people who just, you know, I mean, who's to say that the first story would be like, well, I felt like that wasn't enough. And then you just, once you get to know a character and the way you think their mind works, then it gets easier. But but it's definitely, that's pretty fantastic that they were able to get into yeah. some actual like physics and how to's of like how things work and things like that. That's just fascinating. I just amazing. It blew my mind. I was in awe. Yeah. I just like, I, I'd love to see how much like maybe because I'm not a good planner. Like some people like really would plan and think things out and, and really make it happen. Whereas I'm just like, this would be cool in this moment right now. Like we're just going to do it. Which also work for different people, but neat. So what did you say the name of it was again? The Observer Effect. The Observer Effect. Cool. Yeah, I'll, de- I'll definitely have to give that a read. Yeah, I'm very much more of a, a one-shotter like you were saying. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is cute. Done. And yeah. so having someone who plans and does right. research write this in- incredible epic yes. was very exciting. Yeah, I know. It's like, And it's great to come across that and be like, wow, I love you for existing and making this thing that I know that I never could. And that's great. I'm glad that you are that person to make that thing. So that's so cool. I'm so excited that there's a story like that, or at least at mm-hmm. least one story that's, you know, significant for, for that. That's so cool. And I think that's part of what makes writing them as adults more common because mm-hmm. when they're in high school they're extraordinary Hermione is the brightest witch of her age and Victor is the youngest seeker and yep but then when they're adults you know everyone's caught up a little so they're still like you know really clever very mm-hmm. competent but it's not as intimidating because everyone else has their competencies as well so you feel more on equal footing mm-hmm. yeah, yeah that makes sense and that's a lot of the reason why I like post Hogwarts stuff as well because it gets to, you get to appreciate characters as more human, generally. Because mm-hmm. when they're in school, it's this sort of big galvanizing cauldron of, okay, how is everyone essentially the same but different? Mm-hmm. But then once you're grown up and adult, you get to appreciate them for the, the sort of the human space they occupy as opposed to the reasons why they're, I don't know, good at their job or mm-hmm. why they're in love. Because by that stage, you've, examined that i i am fascinated by if they're still together why they're still together regardless who Mm -hmm. the the couple is like what fascinates them about where they're at in that point in their life regardless of what their age is and that's what excites me because number one it's outside of hogwarts so you Mm -hmm. have the whole world of location to choose from and because it's magical it's not just like where in the world is it it's like where in the magical world is it and mm-hmm. what are they doing with that and some people have fantastic imaginations and i mm-hmm. love 
I love when people lean into that. It's one of my favorite things. Mm -hmm. And I love the stories of like, we had our moment in school. Like obviously like fourth year they met and had a thing and maybe they wrote to one another and maybe she did go visit him or whatever. And obviously things fizzled out. But having that moment of like right person, wrong time, you know, like it's like I met the person, but obviously like you're about to graduate and go off and do you know, famous Quidditch things until you don't anymore. And I'm still in school for another at least three years. And then surprise, my best friend has to take down a Dark Lord and you know, and all those things. And <laughs> so it's like after everything settles and then it's just when, be it the universe or destiny or soulmates or just because when you 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 meet that person again. Like I, I love that too when it comes to post-Hogwarts of like it could be like 10 years after the war. Like it, they could have had previous partners or families or anything and then all of a sudden you come and you're like, wow, it really had always been you. It was just couldn't work then, but now it does and it is and look at us go. <laughs> you touched on my other favorite headcanon for them. There's the older them when they're done being extraordinary and just yep. get to relax and be themselves. And then there's, he invites her to come visit him. Mm -hmm. And imagine if they had, so they have a lot of stress, right? He's dealing with Karkaroff and being the youngest see seeker who's brilliant and yep. awkward and cranky all the time. And she has to keep Harry alive. Mm -hmm. A summer fling. Mm -hmm. Stolen time. Just like a, a beautiful summer before mm -hmm. they have to go back to the horrors of their real life. Oh, that's, I, uh, you see, I love that, but it's also there's a slight tragedy implied there, which mm -hmm. is that that it it's that it's stolen time, but it's it's finite. There's an end to it, and you know I always bang on in these episodes about how I want the characters to have the happy endings because mm -hmm. I have to believe that that's possible. But I also but there's something there is something lovely about even though knowing that there's a full stop at the end of this or whatever. That, that you almost get to enjoy the time more because you know it's more precious to you because it could run out at any time or one of them could have to leave for any reason. Mm -hmm. um, and that and that they choose to find this place and share this space between them that is just theirs. Mm -hmm. That to me is magical. Yeah, this is the closest you'll ever catch me coming to angst. I am yeah. strictly <laughs> a fourth person. I need the happy <laughs> ending as well. Yeah, yeah, that's... And oh, now, I don't know why my brain does this, but it does this. Now I'm focused really heavily on like kind of analyzing some canon situation right now. It's like, okay, so Crumb was invited to Fleur's wedding, right? So obviously was still really close friends with Fleur. And I'm like, I'm like, why was he still so close to Fleur, but not everybody else? Like, what, like how did that, you know, how did that work? I was like, he should have been around. Like, he still should have been around. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for for the like purposes of the narrative, I can see why he wasn't just because it brings mm -hmm. Hermione and Ron closer. But right. he should have been. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. And I think had he been an ordinary normal human, he would have been as well. Because yeah. <laughs> because you don't just yeah. you don't just sort of have that whirlwind romance and then nothing. Like it yeah. doesn't just unless they broke up and it wasn't amicable. But I don't want to entertain that possibility. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, it does go well with the summer fling. You know, they have a beautiful summer. They know it, it can't work off the island or whatever to use it right. as a YA trope. So they're just, you know, they're happy with the time and then they, they go mm -hmm. the separate ways contented with the outcome. Mm -hmm. So that that could fit into the, you know, not keeping in touch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, 
I, I, don't, I don't know. I have this scene in my head of like the two of them on a big blanket and there's fireflies in a jar. Oh, <laughs> oh that's so cute. Stack of and, books. And they're like, exactly. As Hermione reads to him or he reads to her to like practice his English. That would be so sweet, like to be reading oh. to her. Oh, oh God. God. That's so <laughs> oh, that's so, so cute. I'm not I even going to talk for the rest of the episode. I'm just going to entertain that visual in my head. I know, I know. Like... I definitely just picture, like, now I just think of them, like, on a blanket with books and reading to each other <laughs> or talking about books. And, oh, that's so sweet. Oh, I love that so much. And it does also lend itself to comedy because mm -hmm. of the language and cultural barriers. Mm -hmm. A lot of the people in the Discord live a lot closer to Bulgaria than I do, so they're much more familiar with the cultural norms. And apparently, Bulgaria is one of the countries where nodding means no shaking your head means yes ah really wow interesting wow that's not something i had heard before <laughs> <laughs> yeah i wasn't familiar either i've never verified but this is what i'm told and i i believe them so there are some very funny things out there where there's just you know misunderstandings or panic because you know he doesn't have a lot of social skills when he's yeah. trying to ask her out that's so funny <laughs> i um yeah I I just I love that he has this like sweet sensitive side to him as well that that she obviously taps into because he feels like he can have this genuine connection with her because she's got no ulterior motive mm -hmm. and I I love that that they sort of bring out the best in each other and mm -hmm. that the comedy almost arises from this gentle place of honesty that to me is really wholesome and I didn't think talking about this episode that I'd end up in a really fluffy, you know, place with mm -hmm. it. But that's, I I just have by the process of, I was going to say osmosis, but that's not right. So let's yeah. just hop, skip past that. <laughs> it feels, I mean, I don't know. I'm like, I'm, I'm even like, you kind of talked about like, that's as close to angst as I can get. It's like, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to make it angsty. Like, like normally it's so easy for me to just go straight to angst with everything. But no, come into my fluffy world. I live in Candyland. I know. I'm like with this, with this, it's just, yeah, the only thing like semi like hurt that I could imagine is like you had said, it, it had to come to an end when it did. And it was like that bittersweet end. And I don't know unless there's, I, I don't know. I don't know unless it's we get into completely like out of character stuff like who we see victor is like as we read him and see him like and he's totally a different type of person you know when he's with hermione or whatever even the two of them and well they they both have past trauma mm -hmm. if you're talking about them as adults so oh for sure that's the hurt part yeah and then with the relationship you come into the comfort part yes yeah i'm so sorry the last two episodes you've been talking about uh pigging and uh, breeding kinks and I'm just over here with my he brings her flowers it's adorable he brings her flowers and they read together <laughs> well oh I mean if you, if you want to talk about pegging if you want to bring breeding kinks into it we can I just felt bad because I can't I that's not where I live in the fandom so Nathan you would have to leave that I don't know where to go I, I, <laughs> I, I mean so oh. we've established before I think it was in Bellamione we've mm. established before that as a as a 
as a mature person, Hermione knows what she wants. Mm-hmm. And I can see that side of her presenting itself in this situation as well, where it's mm-hmm. like, I know what I want. I know th- that you're a little bit more timid, but I am going to, I'm going <laughs> to lie on this blanket and tell you exactly what you need to do. Mm-hmm. I have everything prepared. So, so I could see that too. I mean, just because there's fireflies in a jar and a big stack of books doesn't mean that one of those books can't be you know, a, a, a book of particular interest. <laughs> I appreciate that the uh, the dirtiest you can get is they have consent and clear communication. Provided there's consent, anything else can happen. I mean, hey, I can make Victor a brute. That's not a I mean, I I realise oh. that non-con stuff happens as well. I know that there's an entire fest about that. But yeah. I'm just saying that that's not my area of expertise. <laughs> I'm not here to hate the fandom. If you hey, if you like non-con and that's what you want to do, please do it. I'm not I'm not here to shame, but I just oh. That's not that's not what I wanna wanna read. Or... <laughs> oh my gosh. Ooh, I'm so, dying. That was, I mean, that in the, was so in the, oh. look, in the last episode we had Jeff on and we were talking about St. Andrew's crosses. So we I are. will have you know, I will have you know, I get a lot filthier than they have consensual sex. <laughs> <laughs> and communication. That part's very important. And communicate about it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. But if Oh my gosh. What about some CNC? You know, they have they they talk about it and there's consent involved, but then they just like get crazy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, oh man. Yeah, I don't know. When it comes to the two of them as far as like I mean, even just like how their dynamic would be. I mean, because you can see obviously someone submitting to Hermione, but then also Hermione being someone who's in control of her life on the day to day and wants control of everything to then be able to trust and let someone else, you know, take control for her. So yeah, I don't know. But I just, yeah, I don't, I definitely feel like my little black rain cloud of like angst and, and filth is like getting like overshadowed by a cotton ball, like cotton candy cloud. (laughs) Which is like, I mean, but with some pairings, it is that way. Like some pairings, it is really hard to even imagine fluff being a thing. Like someone may write it and you'd read it and believe it, but it's like, that's not why I would read this pairing. You know what I mean? Like sometimes there's Mm. like, like, you're just, you know, like I love James Potter and, and Severus Snape. Like, obviously, I'm like, I love it because it's toxic. It's 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 rivals. There's, you know, there's bullying and all this really, you know, dark stuff involved. And like, if someone makes a fluffy story, like, okay, yeah, that's cute. But that's not why I am invested in them as a pairing. Like, it's not what I'm trying to have me convinced that that would be the way it is. And so when I think of Hermione and Victor, like, I just, I see, I see them as far more compatible than I see most people far more compatible with Hermione than Ron is. You know what I mean? Like, it's just so, I definitely can see them as a very, like, just, they fit. Like, they fit. Like, it's, and I think you had said earlier, like, it's easy 
Like you don't have all the complexities besides, as we mentioned, traumas that then they can support each other through or being able to understand, you know, different levels of things. And so, so yeah, I guess, yeah, with, with Victor and Hermione, I just, it just feels very, it just feels sweet. It just, it tastes, it sounds, it's like everything is just so sweet for them. And I love that for them, that they they have been able to find that person when they otherwise wouldn't have. You know what I mean? Like with the Triwizard mm. Tournament didn't happen. Like, yes, they saw Victor at the World Cup. The chance of running into a famous Quidditch player, it's like few and far between. Like, so yeah. it just having that moment of like seeing regardless of everything else that they're surrounded in and stand for and are expected of them and that they're actually two very like compatible individuals that through everything else that could be a difficulty or a barrier, like they can navigate it or are willing to navigate it for each other, which is really nice. Yeah. Um, I, like, I don't want to whisk the conversation off in an entirely different direction, but you were talking about not being able to see any <laughs> any angst. It, mm-hmm. Sorry, Meg's just did a wonderful, like, <laughs> if you're if you're watching this video, I don't know if we're going to, because we're using a different uh, thing other than Zoom today, so I don't even know if we're going to get the video, but we'll see. But if you're looking at the video, there was just a very nice little whooshy thing that you did with your <laughs> hand that I really appreciate. <laughs> Anyway, so just taking the conversation off in a slightly different direction, you were talking about angst and not being able to see that for them. Mm -hmm. The only way I think I could see it is in a a kind of a hurt comfort situation where, say, um, Hermione visited Crumb in Bulgaria and they happened to go, like, to his childhood home for, for whatever reason. And... Because in, so in my head, he's this really famous Quidditch star from a really young age. Mm -hmm. He has to have been a, well, not necessarily a victim, but he has to have been a part of almost that sort of pushy parent syndrome Mm -hmm. of, you know, I want my child to do well, even sort of at the expense of him living his life and having a childhood. And what if Victor gets slightly triggered by that and is slightly, you know, insecure about that side of his past and is Mm -hmm. is slightly that's a bit emotionally um difficult for him i see in this situation hermione being the one that helps him get through that that is because she's so she's had to be around harry and ron so she's dealing she's had to be around a lot of sort of emotional obliviousness Mm -hmm. and and i think that stands her in good stead to be Victor's rock in that situation of of being that stalwart person for him. And similarly, you know, what if, I mean, we, I know we've talked about this before as well, but what if Hermione tries to restore her parents' memory and right. can't get there for whatever reason, and he is consoling her through that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and being that bridge for her, you know? Mm-hmm. So I see there being, you know, potential for areas of of exploring vulnerability but I don't see it getting dark for them as far as them being a couple together if you see what I mean 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, they both have experienced like normal life trauma of being high pressure performance, but they also have experienced wartime trauma. Each mm-hmm. of them has had an unforgivable performed on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they have the space to have been traumatized, mm-hmm. but they're just so fluffy together that, like you were saying, there's just there, there's no pain in the couple. Yeah. And I like that. Yeah. And that's like the – Yeah. That's really nice. Like, it's great. Like, hey, if someone's like, okay, I'm going to put pain in there. Like, do it. Like, do, do, do that. But but yeah, like, just seeing those, it is. That's all I can say is, like, it's easy for them. And that's just so, that's so sweet. I don't know. It's- yeah. And and sometimes, like, we've talked about the, the need for fan fiction to be escapism. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's just nice to read a love story that's uncomplicated yeah. by any of that extra bother that we all have in life. Mm-hmm. Like, because, you know, life, even if it's good for you, doesn't go smoothly all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's just nice to read something that is, like... The, the story outside of the two of them could be quite complicated. Mm-hmm. You know, they could be in the middle of something huge. But for them, inside the little space they share, it's like an oasis of calm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I do love when, when it comes to Hermione having to go, like, get her parents, like, either because of that's another opportunity of her doing some world traveling and then him having, happening to be there in whatever circumstance to be involved with. So I I don't know. Or maybe, like, maybe they had been – like just friends this whole time, like, you know, had been writing to each other, keeping in contact Mm. until was like, oh, I need to go get my parents. And for whatever reason, like Harry's busy doing his thing and Ron is dealing with his fam, like, you know, obviously like losing Fred and family stuff and random things. I've, I've definitely read different stories where Hermione felt like she had to go alone, you know, because like the other two of the trio had, their own burdens of things to clean, like clean up after the war, essentially. And then maybe a surprise would be that Victor's like, oh, you're going alone? Like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, well, do you want me to come with you? And it'd be like their kind of like journey together to like go find her parents and support her through that. And then obviously come back together and all of that. <laughs> and so, and, and now I'm picturing like, them trying to convince Hermione's parents that like, oh, you're actually my parents. Like, oh, is this your husband or so, you know, or something like that? It's like, oh, he's so wonderful. Like, just like Hermione's, just like no, or like, or or the movies where you're you have to go along with it for the sake of like the other person of like, oh, if we told them that they weren't like, they're obviously in a delicate state, so we have to keep pretending that we're actually together, and then you end up together because that's how it works, you know? Like, that's just the rules. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't make the rules. You're just going along with Man, just like, oh, my mom actually accepts that I'm the daughter. Yeah. It's like, yeah, oh, you're such yeah. a great daughter to have because you have this amazing husband. It's like, I can't tell my mom that forgot I existed that he's not my husband. <laughs> oh, and there's man. a sentence you never thought you'd say. No. I can't tell my mom that forgot I existed. <laughs> That feels like oh. a prompt if ever I heard one. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't tell my mom that I never existed, that he's not my husband. Love him. Oh man. It's so sweet. It's so sweet. And I mean, we know and we know Hermione obviously is supportive of Quidditch. Like she's not super into it. Like she doesn't play it or whatever. And so I feel like mm. it 
the time that they would actually come together would be post his like Quidditch career. Because like for most people that get into that, it's like you're traveling all the time. Having relationships is difficult or unless like you're going to be a partner who's like, yeah, I can travel with you or I'm all about this. And so then maybe he like maybe she works at the ministry for something, you know, brilliant like she do. Mm -hmm. And then he's trying to find his next step, you know, like after Quidditch, like what did I want to do after I knew this would, you know, run its course. And then somehow they end up like working together or him being some sort of like, I don't know, like contact, like Bulgarian contact or things like that. And they're working together professionally and then things, you know, turn romantic like they do. So, yeah. That's a good point, though. I mean, not to, again, this is like just a side note because it wouldn't be like me. But now I'm just thinking, I'm just thinking, why don't we see any older people playing Quidditch? Because it's established that wizards live to like 150. Yeah. Why are the only people that we see playing Quidditch comparatively quite young, especially for wizards. Well, that's mm-hmm. like asking why you don't see people over 35 playing American football. Yeah. <laughs> Two bludges to the face and you retire. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Just saying, I'm 32 and I'm not playing Quidditch anymore. That is too dangerous. Yeah, because I was like, because I was like, I, because I played roller derby, so I know all about that stuff. And even like, I had teammates that were like 50 and I'm like, man, you are something like, that's amazing. And I'm like looking at my bad ankles and wrists and things. And I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> like, I am so done. Oh, man. But but it's true, like potentially, like, you know, like, I mean, like I've I've written older, like Harry still playing Quidditch and stuff like that because of that, like being like, oh, they technically could potentially age slower too, because of being, you know, unless it's just you get old and then you continue to look even more old, but you're still alive. Like, you know, or whatever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like then we, that's when we get into the, what is it? The ne- Nicholas Flamel from the Fantastic Beasts where he's literally like, I'm literally a walking, like, like I'm just being held together by pure willpower and magic right now. I'm practically the burrow. Like, I'm just like, if anything were to go wrong, I'd just kind of just completely fall to dust. It's just really funny, but. Anyway, what yeah. the heck were we talking about before? <laughs> no, well, because we were talking about oh, uh, potential other career options right. for for Crumb, but it's it's not beyond the limit of possibility that he is one of the ones that does play Quidditch when he's older, and I could almost see him setting up the world's first older people's Quidditch team. Oh, like a being, like a yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And and being a part of that because I could because he okay so he probably has another job but that will always be what made him famous and I feel like it's always going to be a part of his life mm-hmm. that gave him joy so being able to pick that up again and do it in a fun way whether they raise money for wizard charity or whatever it is that they want to do I could totally see him doing that yeah well my dad is well. 65 and he plays hockey still but it's no check hockey because they know that it's like you could get really hurt if we if these guys were still checking one another so maybe they just have a bludgerless league you know what i mean like it's like your family is very physically active yeah roller derby hockey yeah very full contact life Mm -hmm, mm-hmm mm-hmm 
Just there are fics where he coaches Kidditch. Oh, that's so cute. Which might work if you want to go very domestic. <gasps> oh, that's adorable. I love that. Now I just picture him being like that random person that um, like comes like either uh comes in to teach like all the next gen kids like or something like it's like Hermione's like oh I know like maybe even at that time it was like Ron and Hermione they're divorced and they had their kids and whatever and was like oh my friend will come in and help and whatever and then that's when Victor comes and is teaching everyone Quidditch and of course Ron is like low-key like like oh you know still kind of jealous of of him and then obviously things are happening between them and but like and Harry's like oh Crumb's fine and Ron's just being Ron like Ron do and so oh I love that imagine if Hermione was teaching at Hogwarts mm-hmm. and then Madame Hooch retired right and then Crumb came and actually started calling penalties nice mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then in that scenario you could have the side pairing of Spooch go as they go off and enjoy their retirement yes. and are finally able to because then um, oh, I've forgotten her name. Who teaches herbology? This is terrible. Uh, Sprout. Uh, Sprout. Yeah. <laughs> Professor Sprout. Spooch number one. Spooch number one. Spooch. Yeah, because I imagine they retire at the same time. And then so Neville comes in and does the, mm-hmm. the herbology thing and Crumb can come in and do the Quidditch thing. Mm-hmm. And then they're free to explore their... Um, golden days together which is just perfect to me oh and then <laughs> crumb and hermione start their golden day their early golden days together <laughs> through school and yeah. learning and togetherness and whatever and oh man gosh this is just my body aches because i'm just so cuted out right now like i have like the the hurt the pain in my cheeks and my body and i'm just like it's just so it's so cute. I love, I mean, honestly, I love Victor. Like I love, I feel like Victor, because of the reasons why, you know, we really discussed his character and even with Hermione, like there's just so much potential for him to have his own story, like regardless of who he's paired with or if he's paired with anyone at all. Like he's, he, he was a developed enough character that was unfortunately just had a job and was there, but there's so much to be done with him like that we didn't see and could see in the future. So I do love reading about Crumb. Like I think I think he's a great character that doesn't get explored enough. And it's great that he does in fanfic because, you know, that's just great. It helps that he's so underdeveloped in the books. It gives us mm-hmm. that, that freedom mm-hmm. to make him the next Quidditch coach mm-hmm. or an international task force agent, an RR firm minister, Granger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like to think about the moment where like, because you know how people have their different like um, specialties of like, I'm really good at potions, or I'm really good at charms. And, and even though Crumb is like, super brilliant, obviously, super magically gifted, obviously with Quidditch as well. And then he's like, and now what I give you is half a shark. Like, (laughs) (laughs) he's like, he's like, this is this is the best I got right now and it'll work. And then luckily Harry was there so that Hermione didn't lose her and, you know, lose a limb or anything like that. But I, I love Sharkhead Crumb. I just think it's the funniest thing. <laughs> it's absolutely wonderful. But it just like shows that maybe there's this one thing that what if it was something he was struggling with and did ask Hermione help for it. And of course she had told Harry, like, I'm not helping him with anything. And she, she's like, I seriously can't help you because I couldn't even figure it out with Harry. <laughs> like, 
for whatever reason, they didn't, they couldn't. And that still blows my mind. I'm like, how could they find nothing? I just, it's like bobblehead charm sounds like something that would just be in an average charms text if you think about it. Mm. But but yeah, then he's just like, yeah, I'll, I'll just turn into a whole dang shark. And then that just doesn't happen. Just, just I think of that as proof that he cared so deeply. You mm-hmm. know, he probably had the transformation down pat. And then he panicked. Panicked. Yeah. He was like, Hermione is gone. Hermione is dying in the water. I have Mm -hmm. to fix this. And did the transformation version of splinching himself. Yeah. No, that I I can totally see that. Absolutely. Just being like, it's like, dang it. I mean, at least it's the part where it gives him gills so he can breathe or whatever. But I also think it would be really funny slash hot to have like mershark crumb. Like... (laughs) Mm-hmm. Like, like, are we going to get into a, a little mermaid AU here? <laughs> I thought yes. we were going Moana. Moana. Oh, yes. yes. Oh, love it. That was the thing, Maui being half shark. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, that's so funny. That's oh. two Disney references in an episode. Oh, my gosh. They're so, I just, every You're time, welcome. every time. Yes. It's just so easy. They 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 have all the tropes. They have all the tropes. So then we just, what was it? Yeah, Matt. What was it? Last time was magic carpet. We talked about magic carpet and yeah. and a whole new world and all this stuff. <laughs> so fun, but yeah, so awesome. All right. Well, man, gosh, an hour and a half. Hey, Bess, you got more than just ten minutes. Look at that. <laughs> well, this was so much fun. I mean, that's like it's. It shows that obviously we did an episode about Ron, Hermione, and Victor, and we're able to do that and be like, okay, now can we do this if we just make it about one of them? And it's like, it's it's true. Like what we kind of just did a, when we get into Polly, if we don't explore, you know, the 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 set like one-on-one pairings, like we're, we're, we're not able to analyze this stuff for as long like we're literally bouncing yeah. around and trying to connect all three versus focusing on this is why this character and this character without that character make you know things happen so that was that was fun especially for me like when i you know being the obvious slash shipper that i am when we did that episode it was so easy for me to hone in on victor and ron so to be able to have this episode and focus on hermione and victor was was great so this was a lot of fun i'm so glad you reached out to us and that we were finally able to do it because i was like yay let's do the thing and then wait we can't do the thing and i don't know when things are happening and we're just gonna do whatever so chaos (laughs) yeah it was fun though the second i heard that episode i was like how can you do this and skip victory <laughs> it's the best <laughs> very angry emails to the editor <laughs> oh, well i'm glad unlike all of your traitorous wizard rock friends <laughs> no you're all wonderful don't listen <laughs> happy to- no, I'm <laughs> we're like we'll give victory you know we'll give we'll give them their moment so it's fine. And to be to so to give a bit more context about I think why we did the trio at the time. Yeah. Was like that was back when we were trying to be more structured about the way we the the structure of how we did episodes. Mm-hmm. So we would try and do like a slash ship and then a femme slash and then het, like het and then poly. And poly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and then as time went on, we were just like Let's just talk about stuff that we want to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I think at the at the time, 
we were doing that. We were due to do a poly ship, and uh, and that was one that I think we had both sort of thought because we obviously were excited to talk about Victor and. I feel like it was because we tried, I think we tried twice. We tried twice to do Romione. We tried, we did, and then we're like, why are we not into this? And that's when we kind of came into the like, oh, yeah. because we saw all of their complexities and stuff through canon and like, and I believe them as yeah. like a side pairing and other things. But then I was like, but what if Victor was there? And then it was, then it made it all, you know, different for us. And so like- Victor makes everything better. It was so that was so much fun. So who knows why we pick what we pick anymore? We don't. We definitely don't know. <laughs> but you're right, though, Bess. Victor does make everything better, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm so glad that you were here. But I understand as well now, in the context of that, why Hermione would need someone mm-hmm. like Victor to escape to, yeah. because she's just so exasperated from being around so much stupid all the time <laughs> that she's like, I need a break from Harry and Ron right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Victor seems like the obvious choice, because like you say, it's easy. And I'm not saying that as, as the path of least resistance, but there's just no drama there in the same way. I, I just thought of something. So we know Ron what? being Ron is like just always talking, you know, like he's just he's always has nonsense to say. He's funny. Like it, it makes him endearing the way he is, the way he is. Like he's just talking all the time. He's out there. He's always got opinions. He's got a butt into everything. Part of the reason why I could see Victor also being like of interest to Hermione is that even though part of it could be the language barrier of him not being sure quite what to say is that he listens. Like even if he doesn't understand everything that she says, he's happy to sit and listen to her speak versus like half the time Ron or even is just like Hermione, no one wants, no one cares about that. You know, the number of times people are like, who, who else besides you cares? Like obviously just you and then she's like I can literally talk about everything and Victor will just listen to me and that's all she's ever wanted is to be listened to because even in classes you see with how Snape treats her and probably other I mean even if like teachers don't necessarily treat her like the way Snape would treat her like when you're the know-it-all and you're the only person that makes answers like you're going to start getting overlooked because it's just like, I need other people to be at your level too. Like I can't have you carry everything. And so over time I could see her being like, you know, even though I'm trying to be the best and, and be seen and heard, that's actually going against what she's actually receiving. So to have someone like Victor to actually, even if he's like, I know two thirds of what came out of your mouth, but I'm just going to smile and listen. And she's probably even thinking to herself, he probably doesn't understand any of it, but he's so cute. Like, <laughs> So I love that. Anyway, so any, any other last thoughts with these two? I feel like we've covered it. It's fluffy. It's easy. It's people supporting people mm-hmm. and having a an easy home mm-hmm. to find another person. Mm-hmm. I can also see them... If they had kids, like obviously because if he did Quidditch and then maybe he retired and was like stay at home dad and while Hermione 
did all of her activism dreams, you know, whatever. Like, that would be super sweet that Victor's like, he's dad. He just, you know, stays at home, takes care of the kids and does all the things. And then mom's number one cheerleader. Like, just so cute. I'd also like to note that uh, I did grow up and marry a tall, dark, and handsome Russian man. So I achieved my Victor dreams. Oh, that's so wonderful. That is incredible. Why did you wait until now to reveal this? (laughs) legit self-insert into the like like 14 year old me dreams and then it's like like literally 15 years later oh my gosh this is it's actually happening that's amazing that's i pulled off the jenny weasley oh man love that so so how long have you been married a decade wow wow that's incredible oh i'm so happy for you making your dreams a reality that is so perfect nice oh that's so good Oh, man. So, yeah. So how does your husband feel about this ship? (laughs) Smug, I think. Smug. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's funny. Right. Well, Bess, thank you so much for reaching out to us and us finally being able to connect and do this. This was so much fun. I'm glad I've been able to keep coming on and and nathan has been been able to do it too so this was this was so great i'm so happy we were able to do this i'm so glad that you came on i feel like this is an episode like no other Mm -hmm. i'm so proud of us for it i'm really glad you were here Thanks so much for being a part of it. I really appreciate it. Yeah, especially us actively reaching a point, realizing like, okay, how can we make this filthy and like failed? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now, if you do want, you know, dirty stuff, there are authors out there, Anel and Rosarka. But in general, we're just, we're fluffy, happy people over here. Nice, which is wonderful. So this has been fun. Thank you so much, You're welcome. Thank you. And so to our listeners... See you next time. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Bye.